to every investor out there who's starting or wants to start and stuff like both you and I have heard so many times, eh, the market's so crazy. Everything is so expensive. There's no deals. There are deals. You just need to keep looking. You need to talk to people. Sometimes like take your list on Centris and sort by the oldest listing. And then you go with the oldest listing and then you offer them 80% or 75% of what they're asking. And if they're desperate enough, they'll take it. There's a reason it's been listed for nine months. There are opportunities on Centris. You just need to call. You need to go visit. You need to ask questions. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, Grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with Axel today, and we're going to just do, I think, a little catch-up episode of what everybody's up to. All right. That sounds good. Great idea. Thanks, Terry, for having me. All right, Axel. So tell me, what are you up to these days? It's been busy. When is it not busy? We have several projects on the go. And in some ways, it's extremely exciting because it's in the planning stage. And in some ways, it's very frustrating because it's not moving fast enough for me. We have one project that we acquired in December. It's a four unit we need to renovate in Laval, right next to Metro Cartier. And we did the plans and it got rejected by the city. It got rejected on a pure technicality. You know, it's a six weeks delay before they even look at it. So when you get rejected, you know, you've lost a month and a half. And what happened is that it's below 300 square meters. It's four units and below. We're just doing like small changes on the ground floor only in one of the layout of the units. And so I took a dessinateur, not an architect. And that's always worked. And when the person called me, she said like, yes, but in this case, it's a semi-detached. So in the 300 square meter, we also take into account the area of your neighbor. Therefore, you're at more than 300 meters. Therefore, we reject your file. And I thought I was about to snap, but I stayed cool and said, that's really too bad. Is there anything I can do? And she said, yeah, go get an architect and resubmit. So that's exactly what I did. That was three weeks ago. I've gotten my plans yesterday. So today I'm going to reapply. This is that it's going to take another six weeks before they even get to the file. And I was hoping to start this beginning of March. It's okay, though. It is what it is, except I have a private lender on this. So every month it adds up. (laughs) (laughs) And my goal was to be out by July. So anyways, so that and then the other one, like it's a duplex in Verdun. We can turn it into a five unit because there's no limit to the number of units and we have enough frontage. It's just that the architect, we started that file a while ago, like in October, November, and then it took a little bit more time on her side. And then she came back to us and said, oh, I should have it ready for April to go to CCU in May. And we're like, 
what? Like, anyways, so you push, you push, but at the end of the day, like your bottleneck is often other professionals and it's something to be accepted. Like real estate is a long-term game and yes, we'd like to be three months ahead, but you know, we'll probably hold this property for 10 years. So at the end of the day, who cares? I hear the frustration sometimes, you know, you're working on stuff and like, uh, you know, I jokingly say that, you know, my job is the job of the mosquito, right? Like I'm the one who's going (laughs) in everybody's ear, like to try and just get things to go faster. And like, sometimes, you know, no matter how much the mosquito purrs, like it just won't make things go faster. (laughs) That's so true. And our job is really to like, keep pushing the ball forward. And sometimes it's a snowball. You just need to give it a little push or like change the direction. But like you always like every day you have to push forward, push forward. And sometimes it's exciting and sometimes it's a bit more difficult and I'm very impatient and I admit it. So it never goes fast enough. But so if we get into like those deals that you're doing, how did you find them? Were they on Centris? Were they off markets? Those two are a perfect sample because one of them was on Centris. And people say, there's no deals, there's no deals. And the story behind this one is that I had actually a bird dog bring me a property, a duplex in that neighborhood in Laval next to Cartier Metro. And it's like 8 p.m., we're discussing it. And I'm like, oh, let me see what's on the market in that area. And I see this four unit listed at $299. And I'm like, okay, I don't know the Laval market that well, but like, this seems odd. And I do look at Centris, but not that much these days. And I literally just said to myself, this is either a nod ball, something must be wrong with it. In the past, I would have been like, hmm, too bad, like whatever, move on. And this one, I texted the agent at 8 p.m., be like, hey, I have questions about that address. Let me know. And she texted me back. She called me at 8 a.m. the next day. And she said, look, we're taking offers. Today's the cutoff. It's noon. And I said, okay, well, look, I'll just, you know, I'll make an offer. If it gets accepted, I'll come and visit. And then my wife had one week of vacation and it's during that week. Now we're around breakfast and I'm like, or maybe it'd be fun. Like you have a bit of time. Let's go visit. So I called her back. We made an appointment for 1130, last visit in the schedule. And we liked it. And we, our eyes were just like, okay, opportunity, opportunity, fully vacant, four units, 300 meters away from a metro. And they're asking pretty much city evaluation on Centris. And there was another couple who was there, a contractor from Laval, who was like, there, he knew everything. And we just stayed super discreet. We almost played stupid. It was time to make the offers. No, no, no. You had your appointment before. You go make your offer. We'll go after. And that's what we did. And we offered 410. And we got it. And you know that buyer's remorse? Are you like, oh my God, I so overpaid. I'm crazy. Oh my God. And like, no, that's 100K a door. It's a bargain. The location is great. We bought it from Revenue Quebec. It was a succession. An old lady passed away. It took two years to be processed through the system. And then eventually Revenue Quebec gave it to an agent and said, sell this thing. And it was on the market for about a week. And we got it. So to everyone listening, there are opportunities on Centris. You just need to call. You need to go visit. You need to ask questions. The other one was an off-market. Our son had forgotten his jacket at music class. And my wife said, I'm just going to walk back. It's like a 20-minute walk. So she went with the stroller. And then every time we see a notice on a door, when it's an official notice, we always go and read it. And this one had been to vacate the premises for insalubrité. And we're like, ooh, opportunity. So we did the research. 
took us about two months. We got it under contract and we closed 70 cents on the dollar. Good for you. Read the fine print. (laughs) Yeah. Read the fine print. But like to every investor out there who's starting or wants to start and stuff, like both you and I have heard so many times, "Eh, the market's so crazy. Everything is so expensive. There's no deals. There are deals. You just need to keep looking. You need to talk to people. Sometimes like take your list on Centris and sort by the oldest listing. And then you go with the oldest listing and then you offer them 80% or 75% of what they're asking. And if they're desperate enough, they'll take it. There's a reason it's been listed for nine months. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, those two projects and there's some other, there's one large other one that I don't want to talk about too much right now because it's still ongoing and it's exciting and I'll keep it for later. And then we just finished another one that we just refinanced uh, last month. So it's operational, stabilized, very happy with it. So that's where we're at. And the one thing is that I'm restarting to prospect because prospecting is the one thing you should never stop doing. Even if you're fully loaded on projects and you don't have any bandwidth and you can't never stop prospecting. Cause if you find opportunities, you can flip it to somebody else and make a little cut, or you can just find it and not move ahead, but at least, you know, there are deals never stop prospecting. Good advice. What about you, Terry? What are you working on these days? Well, you know, it was funny. Like as I was listening to you go through what you're doing, it's actually really funny because I think I'm going to tell the same story. So I'm actually working on two things at the moment. One that came from Centris and another one that didn't come from Centris. To start with the Centris deal, it was actually 18 units in Trois-Rivières, which, you know, came up on Centris and I that's a market that I watch. So, you know, we put in an offer, not crazy over asking, I think 14 and a half on the deal, went and visited very classic process. You know, I think there were maybe three or four other offers, but uh, it's actually a 12 plex and a six plex. And it's the same owner who's uh, liquidating both of them. And so they had a preference to deal with the same person on both of those transactions. So, you know, that being a smaller market, that's somewhat less competitive. It was easier for me to get in there and to also just, you know, come in with a, how can I say like a scale of making an offer on both of them. The challenge then is the economic value, right? Because the economic values are really quite low. So it took a sizable amount of cash. And so like managing to figure that out was kind of the stress with that particular transaction. Basically now we're waiting for financing and, you know, we've been able to do it CMHC. So like, we're hoping that uh, the delay is not going to be too long and that they're not going to get too nervous on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. And the way you describe the deal, you said it's a six and a 12. Are they side by side? No, they're like about five minutes, one from the other, but because the seller, it's the same seller. I guess it's an, an older man who's liquidating. We were able to do one set of offers and like, one set of financing. And so like the file, it's just like progressing as one file. That gives a lot of opportunity in terms of like keeping both or like reselling the six and then investing a lot in the 12. Like it's great because it creates so much more opportunities for exit strategies. Yeah. Well, and also the other great thing is that the 12 unit is actually two sixes. So it's cadastered Mm. separately. And for some reason, this person, no, well, that's it. Like for some reason, this person just wanted to liquidate this as a one-shot deal, but like, had they taken the time to just sell each of those six units separately, like it would have been much more advantageous for them. And like, I'll do a little bit of a sidebar. Like if you're going to finance with the institutions, it forces it to be like a conventional, you know, big mortgage. But like the way to do this in the most advantageous way is to have three deals with Desjardins, in which case the buyer finances 75% and they're able to offer more. So like the real way to sell those is to sell, do three separate transactions. Sure. It's going to take you a little bit more time, but like ultimately, you know, if I were to like resell them tomorrow, probably make like hundred K just on that. Just on the splitting them up on the and splitting reselling and doing, individually. 
three separate transactions and like, sure, you know, some of that money will go to my agent, but like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, he does a good job. I'm happy to cut him a check. So, mm -hmm. and your plan with this deal, is it a long-term hold or you're saying like three to five years and maybe you'll sell it back? Well, I have a five-year plan. And like, that's mm -hmm. generally what I'm doing right now is I'm making like, you know, unless there's a reason for the plan to be more short-term, like I'm making, you know, five-year plans. And so this is on a five-year plan. We're going to have a five-year CMHC mortgage. And then like, we'll see if there's a, you know, an opportunity to get out earlier for whatever reason, why not? But also it's a joint venture deal. And the person that I'm joint venturing with, like he's also kind of on a more long time horizon. So we're not looking to make any quick movements. And I mean, Trois-Rivières is also not a market in which one makes quick movements now. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I feel like in Montreal is much more of like, a, you know, optimize, get in, get out kind of a thing. Even though Trois-Rivières, the rents are progressing well, it's just a more stable market where there's less movement, lower rents, slower progression. And at a 14, 15 times multiple, you can afford to just let it keep doing its thing, right? And just to be clear for everyone listening, when you say 14, 15 times multiple, is that your gross revenue is 14 PRM. times the price. The price is 14 times gross revenue. Yes. Sorry. I flipped it the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. Just to be clear. So everyone <laughs> understands. Okay. Perfect. And yeah, I just love the fact that, as you said, it's actually like three separate lots, three separate properties. And if you yeah. wanted, you could keep them for five years and then five years from now, resale in year five, six, and seven. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's like one deal. And the other deal is a kind of an off market. It's actually a pocket listing, an aplex in Montreal North, which we're going to notary actually in just about a week now. And so that was, I guess the correct term is bird dog. So mm -hmm. there are these people who are not familiar with what a bird dog is, it's um, somebody who's kind of out like surveying the market and has a bunch of contacts and then will bring you um, an off market, either a pocket listing that an agent has, and then they take a percentage. And so basically it was a transaction with a bird dog who brought this deal to me. And uh, it just happens that it was like with a different investor and it just happened to fit into that plan. Also, it was like, you know, the building was a little bit undervalued and uh, that's uh, kind of a, a segment of Montreal that I know that I, I have the management capacity to deal with it. And then like, I mean, the transaction action itself was also it's been a bit well, of a what happened? Ride. what happened yeah no like man like we it was supposed to be like a pretty quick turnaround we signed the offer papers i think beginning of november Oof. and it was no no it was desjardins financing so we had financing acceptance within like three weeks of the accepted offer but then it was everything else just kept being pushed out and pushed out we had a positive phase one then we had to go to phase two and like the seller is also just like someone who's like very complicated like he didn't <laughs> no 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 and like then you understand why why it's an off market, right? Like the guy's like so suspicious. We did a building inspection for sale and he was telling his tenants that we were like looking at the cracks in the ceilings. So like we're doing the inspection and I'm like, you know, <laughs> me and the inspector are there like looking like we're trying to look for cracks in the ceilings. But like when you come back like twice in one week, inspecting every single unit, looking for cracks in the ceilings, like it's super suspicious. And then you're like, seller, like, why don't you just tell the people that you're selling the building? Like, it's okay. It's not classified information, but he's like, they're going to know understand but the tenants no it's like okay he's like but so what right like it's it's not super classified but, information but, and so but, but wait but he was telling them that you were here to look at the cracks in the building because yeah. he wanted to hide the fact that he was in the process selling. of selling to his tenants yeah. that serves no purpose other than protecting no it serves his no own. purpose and no it's but, but I mean, in a bad spot it was ridiculous from ridiculous. So like, I'll just tell you like another two anecdotes because of how funny they are during the inspection. Like I discover cockroaches because I happen to know what cockroaches look like. Right. So we're like poking around under the sinks. And then like, I'm like, Oh, that's a baby cockroach. And then the guys, like, everyone's trying to tell me, no, no, Terry, it's not a baby cockroach. I'm like, I know what a baby cockroach is. Like here's Google. I like show them a picture. It's a baby cockroach. Okay. So now 
seller who's there, I'm like, okay, buddy, like go and get an exterminator because like, I just want to report like as part of the due yeah. diligence, I don't care. It's not a big deal. It's not a foundation problem, but I just want to know, like, what am I getting into? And then the guy like goes and apparently pays the exterminator cash, no, no reports, no, report. no invoice, no nothing. And I'm like, okay, but like it was in a modification, like we put it into the offer. So like, why would you do that? Like you're yeah. in the Due diligence I need a lease. I need a document. I need a document. Like, show me a document. It's not like whatever, you know, it's a, whatever over a million dollar deal. And you don't want to go and spend like $500 to have a Classic. report anyway. So it's just like one thing after another. And then you realize that like, sometimes when you get buildings, like at a discounted rate, it's because there's someone in there who's so complicated. Like sometimes the building is the complicated factor, but I'd say 50% of the time it's the seller or like somebody in that equation is complicated and it's complicated in their mind. And as a result, if you're willing to go through, you know, the trials and tribulations of actually making that offer happen. And then in the environmental report was its own thing, right? Because we had like a phase one that said maybe there was a buried oil tank on the premises, right? So now we have to go to phase two. But then in my understanding, you know, the buyer pays for the phase one, but if phase one comes back positive, like I'm expecting the seller to pick up at least part of the phase two, because let's suppose that it's find something positive. I'm allowed to walk away from the transaction. So I'm not yeah. going to buy you a phase two so that mm -hmm. I can then walk away because I don't like yeah. what it says. And so like, then there was the whole process of negotiating that. And then the guy, like first he didn't want to pay. Then finally he agreed to pay the phase two upfront and we reimburse him at the time of sale if it's negative. But then he ordered the firm to like not share any information with us. So like, it's my firm, it's my contact. And I yeah. call like, you know, the, the technician, okay, can I get some information? And the guy's like, no, no, I am not allowed to talk to you about this at all. I'm like. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. What's the point of that? Like, you're going to have yeah. to show me the report anyways, like written in the offer papers, you know, it's been a bit of a trial and tribulation, but like I said, we're going to the notary in about a week. And <laughs> well, I'm, so I'm happy that finally you are actually going to get to close this thing. Yeah. And just to hear you talk about it, I find it reminds me of like, I don't remember who said that, but it's like the best way to lose a hundred thousand is to actually try to save a thousand. Oh my God. And cutting corners and like what you just described, but like the exterminator. And it's like, it's in the offer. Go spend 500 bucks. Go get the receipt. Let's fulfill it. I got my report. It's done. It's clean. That's it. Don't try to save the taxes yeah, yeah. on 500 bucks. Come on. No, I mean, like if he even did it in the first place, but like, yeah. let me just tell you another, I'm going to tell you one more funny anecdote from this, just because it's like, it's so hilarious. Like I, it needs to come out <laughs> when we did the inspection. Like there was a tap on the outside of the building running. It's minus 10 and like the garden hose, basically the garden hose outlet has burst because nobody turned it off inside and it's like leaking water on the side of the building. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. we're at the inspection and like, this is happening. So I'm like yeah. to the seller, I'm like, okay, like basically you need to fix this, fix it yeah. and mm -hmm. send me a plumber's bill. It's going to cost you 200 mm -hmm. bucks, but I just want to know that we're not flooding the foundation and like, there's not something else going on. So then <laughs> what happens? I get like, a, a, you know, through the agents, like I get a call back, you know, my client just turned off the tap and it's not running anymore. That's not what I asked for. No, that's not <laughs> physically possible. Cause basically yeah. what somebody did is they just switched off the cutoff valve in the basement so that the water is no longer running, running. outside, but like that's a burst pipe. Like it's yeah. not because you switch off the cutoff valve in the building that you fix the problem. Like I yeah. want to see a bill from a plumber. Yeah. And, but of course, no, no bill ever appeared. So like now I have a burst yeah. pipe that I have to fix. It's a $200 problem. But like at the same time, you're doing a million dollar transaction. With everything that you've described and the complicatedness of the sale, do you feel like you're at least buying at a little bit of a discount? 
Oh no, it's at a big discount. Even back in November, it was at a discount. Mm. And so today the market has evolved. And like, I also know, you know, when you see a seller who's behaving like this, like the building is so poorly managed that like just by managing it properly, which like I I know me and my team, we have the skills to do that. I'm going to make some money in the buy. And then once I take over the management of this, just by tightening the screws, it's not a plan to do a big optimized job. This is also Mm. like a, you know, three to five year hold property, but like just by managing the thing properly, we're going to be able to do a lot of turning around. So good. Well, I'm glad it's it's working out. You have like two great deals underway. I'm happy for you. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, always makes some good stories. <laughs> yeah, it always does. But like, what's the moral of this? And like, as you said, like it's all the small things that add up. And when you do a million dollar transaction like that, you can just see from the seller just by his attitude, like trying to cut those corners. Imagine like, I don't know how long he's had the property, but imagine all the corners he's cut yeah. over time in that place and yeah. the deferred maintenance and how much opportunity it creates for you yeah. who's got a good well-wheeled machine yeah no absolutely and like i mean if i think if, if there was like a moral to this particular story like that's what it is like sometimes you get these like you know complicated transactions that like it's possible to be afraid and be like what's this guy hiding blah 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 but like by the time i go in there and like you know i trust my inspector i also trust my gut in terms of like you know getting a feel for the tenants and getting a feel for the property it's just a question of like dealing with the human complication of getting there and like often if you're willing to deal with some human complication you can actually get a good deal because nobody else is willing to go through all of the machinations that it takes to bring that to closing. Yay. Okay. So that's next week. I'll think of you. You must be so happy to wrap that up. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Well, Axel, thank you for doing this little update. Hopefully some of uh, our trials and tribulations are going to be constructive for our audience. I'm going to wish everybody a good rest of the week. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Terry. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating. Leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.